So, uh, <clears throat> as a little precursor before we get into this, if you didn't listen to episode four of this season uh, two weeks ago, uh, you may want to go check that out. This is a natural uh, sequel to that. So, uh, yeah, I guess let's get right into it. Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I am Bruce. I almost forgot to say my name. Uh, <laughs> if you were here two weeks ago, uh, you would know what we're doing today. If you were not, well, hey, uh, here here we are. We're building a deck on on in the episode. Uh we're coming up on our two-year anniversary next week. Very cool. We got this deck. It's super sweet. It's uh, it's based around uh, it's based around Brina the demagogue, uh, and uh, we are about halfway through. I mean, we're a little less than halfway through, right? Because yeah. we've got thirty non uh, we've got about thirty non-land cards uh, in the deck, right? And obviously, we're gonna have forty lands, but not all those lands are gonna be basics, right? Right. So you know, we've got, yeah, we've got thirty-two cards, two of which are lands so far. Okay. So just about half. I'm gonna say this over and over again, just to fill time, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and uh, as a little bit of celebration, I guess, uh, for our our two year anniversary, uh, my neighbor decided to play some celebratory music. So if you hear that going on, cool. Thanks, it's neighbor. intentional, of course. Um, who knows? Maybe maybe to make this episode sound okay, I'll do the most Ooh. minimal editing. Eh? Um, all right. So to catch you up, uh, any of you out there, and I guess to 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 re reiterate what this deck is all about, Brina is a one three for three black and white one one black white three mana bird warlock uh, flying whenever a Whenever a player attacks one of your opponents, if that opponent has more life than another of your opponents, that attacking player draws a card, and you put two plus one plus one counters on a creature you control. Um, the the yeah. phrasing of the card is oh, just, yeah. it, it is just such a pain. I mean, it, She's a mouthful, for sure. Right. Simply put, attack an opponent. Uh, don't attack the opponent that has the highest life total. Then you get some kind of benefit. Don't that's attack all, the, the one with the least life total. Oh, the least life total. Right. Yeah. And so it's you like get some kind the of inverse of death right. round. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, or quit picking on the similar picking on the little guy. Yeah. Right. So, but uh, nothing says you have to go after the biggest guy either. So you can swing at exactly. anybody else other than the other than the guy with the lowest life total. Done. So easy. Uh, yeah, we, we've been putting this deck together. Uh, we've got some cards in some counter stuff. We've got uh, cards that like to use counters as resources. Uh, we've got some persist, and then we've got cards that just generally want high power and toughness. Uh, cards like Nadir, Paladin of Atonement, Iron Mastiff, right. that type of thing, where it's like, oh, do thing based on toughness or power or whatever. Uh, so that's kind of where we left off. Um, and the idea behind what we wanted to do today was kind of fill in some of the utility, hopefully make it a little bit on theme, 
and then round off the deck so that we can play it before uh, next season when we talk about it again. <laughs> um, so the other part of Brina is your opponents are drawing extra cards. That's, yeah. how, that's how Brina works. We're trying to get them to stop attacking you, so we're going to point them to other opponents, and we're going to lure them with that. We're going to throw that carrot out there of a card draw. You get to draw a card when you swing at another opponent. Great. Okay, so my thought then became, uh, we, we should make that a little painful. Um, so I started thinking about uh, something along the lines of, well, Underworld Dreams. Now, Underworld Dreams is an enchantment that costs black, black, black. And it says, whenever an opponent draws a card, Underworld Dreams deals one damage to that player. Not a huge thing, but it's something. So I started looking at other cards that do something fairly similar to that. Um, and there was Underworld Dreams, uh, Obnixilus, The Hate Twisted, and uh, Fate Unraveler all do that. I'll do that. Also, Price of Knowledge. Uh, players have no maximum hand size. At the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, Price of Knowledge deals damage to that player equal to the number of cards in that player's hand. And so I started thinking about this and it's like, do I want to do this? If, if we're using Brina as the carrot to encourage players to attack elsewhere, is then taking the bonus that they get and punishing them for it really what we want to be doing? So... Andy, I just want to sort of wanted to throw it out there. You think is this something that we should be doing? Because my I thought, don't know. I think, <clears throat> go ahead. I think it's tough because I mean, you know, you draw any of these cards and you're going to want to play them, right? Like, you you don't right. put cards in your deck that you don't want to play. Uh, and to an extent, like, say you draw, you know, with over the course of two or three turns, you draw into all four of these, um, and you play them, then your uh, opponent is going to be like, hmm, okay, well, if I draw, you know, a card, it's going to deal three damage to me, and then it's going to deal another damage to me on, you know, my upkeep type of thing. So it's 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 definitely a tough line you want to balance where you, there is a, there's like a very specific amount that you'd want on the battlefield uh, because, I mean, generally you're not going to want all of these. Uh, no. Because then your opponents are not advised to attack elsewhere. They're just going to attack you, period. Uh, right. Now, I look at a card, you know, like, if you play Underworld Dreams, well, then essentially you're offering them the same card draw that Phyrexian Arena offers to you. And mm. we'll play the arena. I mean, draw a card, take a point of damage, you still want to draw the card. So my thought was, players are not going to be disincentivized to swing at other people to get to draw a card, even if it's going to cost them a point of damage. But then you start thinking about it a little more and realizing, okay, well, on their draw step, they're taking a point of damage. And then on their attack step, they're taking a point of damage. And if they have any other way to draw a card, and let's be fair, most decks offer some sort of regular card draw beyond just drawing at the start of the turn, they're taking another point of damage. So at some point, they start looking at this and even just Underworld Dreams out. Forget about getting two or three of these cards out. You're taking three points of damage, or your opponents are taking two or three, well, probably three points of damage per turn. Right. At least. And <clears throat> Right. And then they're looking at this trying to decide, is that really worth it? Right. So 
I, I'm not sure. I mean, I'll put it out there so the audience knows these cards are out there. You can definitely put them in the deck if you think that uh, if you think your group is going to be okay with that. I look at some of the other cards that we've got listed, and uh, I, I think I'm not completely sold on these cards being in the deck. Um, I think I yeah. might try the deck first without, and then maybe come back to them and say, you know, these these are cards that could go in. Yeah, I'm going to throw them in the maybe board for now, just because, I mean, like, they they are helpful in the Nekusar kind of way. It's It's incremental damage, and... Once or twice, your opponent's not going to think twice about it, and then after a while, it's like it's a it's a nice shiny object to draw a card. But at what cost is, you know, toward the late game, it's it's going to be a higher percentage. It's going to be a bigger cost, right? So it's tough to know where to go from this. I mean, the past couple weeks that we've been stewing on the utility of this deck. Um, I've been trying to figure out where I would go with it. Um, and I think I would just continue on the paths that we have been. Um, right. Like, for instance, I found Cryptic Trilobite, which is an XX creature. It's a 0 okay. zero for XX. Uh, it says, Cryptic Trilobite enters the battlefield with X plus 1 plus 1 counters on it. So, for 2 mana, you get a 1-1. One, one. 4, you get a 2-2, two, two, etc., etc. Uh, remove a plus 1 plus 1 counter from cryptic trilobite to add two colorless mana spend this mana only to activate abilities so i wasn't sure oh and then uh one and tap to put a plus one plus one counter on it um obviously with brina you're gonna just be putting plus one counters on it maybe (laughs) like if that's if that's where you decide to put them and i really i really like the idea of using those as literal mana resources yeah um and there's no, there's no like uh, limit to it. Like a lot of cards of this nature would be like, oh, do it once per turn or whatever. Um, but I think this would be a card that you'd have to go back through your deck to see, you know, how many things you would use this mana. Right. Um, which is yeah. the hard part because, yeah. like, I mean, so far we've got ant. Antler Skulkin, together forever, and that's kind of it so far. Like half of Outlast, right? Maybe Hangerback Walker. You know. Well, I have a I have another card that would certainly benefit from from the Trilobite. Uh, oh, Twilight Drover. Uh, Twilight Drover is a it's two generic and one white for a one one creature, and it says whenever a creature token leaves the battlefield. Put a plus and plus one counter on Twilight Drover. Now, we've got a few ways to create token creatures in the deck, but that's not really what we're focused on here. Uh, the ability is for two gener- uh, two and a white. So there you go, the two from the Trilobite, plus a white. Remove a plus and plus one counter from the Drover. Then you create two one one white spirit creature tokens with flying. Yeah. So now you can, when one of those spirit tokens uh, leaves the battlefield, you put a plus and plus one counter on the drover, and you can remove that counter to create two more of them. So you see the loop that the drover's trying to create. Um, the, twi- uh, the, the, the trilobite helps helps pay the cost, and uh, Brina dropping a couple of plus and plus one counters on there uh, certainly keeps things moving along as well. So, 
Yeah, and I like with the ta- Twilight Rover, like the loop does increment like a single creature each time. So yeah. like if you have like a sack outlet, yada, that so far, so on and so forth. If you have infinite white mana, you'd be gaining one creature each time. Right. Yeah, that's sweet. And I mean, like with that in mind too, like you know, we can feel a little bit more comfortable putting in tokens. I don't know if I have any, but <laughs> as far as to- as far as tokens. Mm-hmm. Uh, another card, and I, I don't really want to wander too far back into this into this because I know that we were looking to move move past this. But Alenda the Dusk Rose. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's a one one for two, a white and a black. It has Life Link. Whenever another creature dies, put a plus one plus one counter on Alenda the, the Dark Rose. When Alenda dies, create X one one white vampire creature tokens with Life Link, where X is Alenda's power. Oh yeah, that's great. I mean. Brina puts two plus and plus one counters on Alenda. That's two of the two life-linking vampires that are going to be uh, added when Alenda Coming dies. Out, yeah. So, another way to produce more tokens. So, yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean it, it's a great card, and it's it's always hard to to deal with. Um, <clears throat> and going toward more like removal, like the the things that make your deck protect itself. Yeah. Um, I, I found a few things uh, that I think would work really well in this deck. For one, Pestilence. I think Pestilence is an all-star card in this deck, if only because, like, you're going to want to buff your creatures up a little bit. Yeah. So they're going to be a little bit bigger than everybody else's creatures. Yeah. Uh, and you can really hone in on, uh, like, you, you have control over it. And I, I was going <laughs> to... It's funny because when I was reading this card, I was like, oh, like, sure. Like, maybe you can also use it to kind of direct Brina uh, in certain ways. But then I was like, oh, no, everybody's taking damage at the same rate. So, uh, but, I mean, I think it, it works really well, you know, as a end of end of turn type thing. Right. Along the lines of with Pestilence and the, and the idea of a level of mass removal, um, I found a card and I thought I was I was pretty giddy about it. Uh, it's called Damning Verdict. For three, a white and a white. It's a sorcery and it says destroy all creatures with no counters on them. Oh, wow. I'm like, okay, well, our deck specifically wants to put counters on our creatures. Now, I, I understand that like, this isn't really necessarily going to be all that good because virtually everybody is putting counters on stuff. Mm. So. There's going to be plenty of times when this is just not going to kill the ones, the cards you need dead. So there, there are limitations here, but uh, I don't think any, I don't think any mass removal hits flavor of what we're trying to do with this deck better than damning verdict. Um, and, yeah. Uh, what is it? It's it costs like three dollars, or two, somewhere between two and three dollars. It's uh, you know it just it's so well suited. Yeah. Uh, a card in removal that I found that kind of. I think probably is part of the cycle of Twilight Drover, is Drakestown Forgotten. It's four and a black uh, for a zombie, a zero, zero. Enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it, where X is the number of creature cards in all graveyards. Uh, Two and a black, remove a plus one plus one counter from it, uh, and target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. So you're using your plus one, plus one counters as, like, little bullets i guess uh and i i think it works real well especially like you know if it if you've got say 
the trilobite out to to help with the cost um or if you just have a lot of mana it's not great but i think it works well in the deck yeah and yeah i'm a li- um, little embarrassed i missed this one it, I, it was it was one of my preview cards oh my really <laughs> yeah so i'm a little embarrassed i missed it but yeah no i think this is great um and along even uh, also part of this i guess idea cycle area uh is custody soul binders uh now this isn't removal but it's great for making chump blockers it's great for making uh you know little things to put more counters on uh it's three and a white for a zero zero andrew's battlefield with x plus one plus one counters on it where x is the number of creatures on the battlefield so the inverse of the drake's town forgotten where it's on the battlefield instead of the graveyard uh, and then two and a white, remove a plus one plus one counter to create a one one white spirit creature token with flying. So it makes spirits instead of zombies. These are not going to be the same. It it makes half as many as the Twilight Drover, but uh, you get you could get a lot of plus one plus one counters off the bat. Right. Uh, unlike the, the Twilight Drover. Um, so I mean, I I think realistically they they are versions of each other um right in this context yep um but i think that they they work real well in this deck yeah i think that makes sense um another one this is one of the ones that it was i, I couldn't believe we missed it uh last time mm-hmm. um Micaeus the lunark uh, Micaeus the lunark is x and white so it enters the battlefield with x plus and plus one counters and you can tap it to put a plus and plus one counter on it. But more importantly, you can tap it, remove a counter, and then you put a plus one plus one counter on each other creature you control. It's funny you say that because I literally just scrolled to my next screenshot. Nice. <laughs> and it was Micaeus. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I also saw this card after we stopped recording a couple weeks ago, and I was like, oh, how do we do that? Right. Because, I mean, it's perfect. I mean, there's the other obvious one, and anybody who listened last week knows that we missed it, um, and they were likely screaming at us at, because they couldn't believe how insane we were that we would have missed this. Um, Cathar's Crusade, it, it's just sort of a given. I'm not going to explain what it does or anything, because you all know what it does. Because <laughs> Yeah, because um, you've been telling us for two weeks that we missed it. Right. So, um, and yeah, obviously, it's... Those those two are, are cards that I think absolutely must be included in the deck. I mean, they ramp the plus and plus one counters much faster than most other cards do. So even yeah. like significantly faster than Brina does. So yeah. So uh, my next couple cards kind of hinge on this idea that uh, toward like mid to late game, I always find myself having way too much mana that I know what to deal with. Uh, especially in black and white. Um, and I never remember to put in like those high costed cards. I always have like such a, like a, like a low curve that I never know what to do when it comes to late game. So my next card uh, is Sun Crusher. It's a 3 3. Huh? Nice. For nine mana. Oof. It's a 3 3 for nine. It has Sunburst, which means this mm-hmm. comes into play with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each color of mana used to pay its cost. So, I mean, realistically, you can get five counters on it. 
uh, if you have treasures, if you have exotic grove, if you've got anything that produces any other color of mana. Uh, but more than not, you're going to get two plus one plus one counters on it. So a five, five for nine. Um, and it says for four and tap, remove a plus one plus one counter from Sun Crusher to destroy target creature. Uh, or two and remove a plus one plus one counter to return it to its hand, uh, to your hand. Which is fine. You know, you, you can pay two to, to save it if somebody's going to board wipe um, to play it back out again, or I don't know. Overall, it's, it's unimpressive, but uh, it can really get you out of those those tight holes. Um, right. I, I, I didn't know where you landed on this card, because, I mean, it is a 3-3 three, three for 9. Realistically, it's a 5-5 five, five for 9. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, for the most part, given what we're looking, given what the deck does, um, this is one of those cards that, honestly, I'm going to let... I, if it ends up in the graveyard and I can recur it directly onto the battlefield, I'll do that, even without the counter. So then I can avoid paying the nine. I get mm. a creature that doesn't have any counters, but, I mean, that's why Brina is there. So Brina can drop two counters on it, and then you can use the and then you can start using the ability on the next turn to try and mm. make your opponents pay. I think that's, uh, that's certainly an option. Yeah, and Rather I mean, than trying to pay nine over and over. I mean, at this point, like we've got a few cards at six and a card at seven. Um, it's not like it's 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 not like we're we're too heavy right now, um, right? But it it for it, it's a very slow removal is what it ends up being. All right, so um, Andy, stop me if this card if we talked about this card the last time. Um, because you just talked about a nine mana card. I want to talk about a one mana card. It's one white, the Hopeful Initiate. No. Hopeful Initiate. Um, it's a one-two creature with training. It says whenever this creature attacks with another creature with greater power, put a plus plus encounter on this creature. We don't care about that. We're not really swinging with this thing. <clears throat> We're just getting Brina or somebody to put counters on it. Because the ability is... Two and a white, remove two plus one plus one counters from among creatures you control. So it doesn't even have to remove its own creatures. It can be any creature that has a counter on it. It can just remove that. But you remove two counters, destroy target artifact or enchantment. Now, there's no tap in this. So if you have six mana, you can remove four counters and destroy two artifacts or, you know, two, uh, you know what I mean. So given given the price and doing <clears throat> enough, yeah, exactly. Like you so, can do this as many times as you need to, right? So the trilobite, you know, you can take off two counters, you get four mana, and all you need is two white mana and two more counters to take off, and you're destroying two artifacts or you know two artifacts yeah. or enchantments or combination or some or, combination of the yeah yes. So I, I just thought this was. You know, this was something I was I was curious with, and honestly, that uh, the trilobite's looking better and better with every card I suggest. So, <laughs> yeah, honestly, <laughs> when I said it, I was like, "Oh, this doesn't look great in this deck." But then, uh, just unintentionally, it's kind of come out pretty well. Um, it's funny though because the next card that I had uh, was kind of in the similar line of the trilobite, which is workhorse. 
which okay. the art on this card looks like an un card. Right. Um, just a goofy wizard guard type dude. Yeah. He looks like the old guard. Um, and then uh, like a horse headed soldier with a, I don't know, it's weird. Um, but it's yeah. a zero zero for six. And it comes into play with four plus one plus one counters on it. Uh, so it's a four four for six uh, at the base. Uh, remove a plus one plus one counter from workhorse to add uh, one colorless mana to your mana pool. Play this as mana source. So this is, you know, it's it's half as good as the trilobite, but it's better because you can do it to play spells, uh, yeah. pay for literally anything rather than right. have the restriction of doing just abilities. Um. And it's, 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 I feel like this is one of those cards that people would be like, wait, what is that? You know, it's, it's, it's great. Going down the, the removal list, uh, Retribution of the Ancients. It's a uh, one black mana for this enchantment, and it reads, spend a black, remove X plus one plus one counters from among creatures you control. Target creature gets Ooh. minus X minus X until the end of the turn. So I really like the flexibility of being able to take it off of as many creatures as you want. Right. So if you've got three creatures that each have two plus and plus one counters, you can just remove one from each of them so they all still have a counter. And you can now give something minus three minus three until the end of the turn. Um, and, of course, it doesn't say you have to do it at sorcery speed. It doesn't say anything. So for the most part... You can let it sit on your board, nice and prominent, and then start swinging. And your opponents are always going to wonder, okay, I can block his 2-2 with my 4-4, but if he takes off counters, then I'm losing my 4-4 to his 2-2 creature. And to the tune where I may not even be able to kill his 2-2 his creature. So, uh, yeah. so a lot of times, I don't even think you're going to have to pay the one black or remove the counters. I think the threat of it happening makes blocking so difficult that I think a lot of times you're going to get free passes, you know, and that certainly helps along considering, you know, if you want to get the benefits from Brina, you have to attack. So uh, you don't, you know, a lot of times you're looking at some of your smaller creatures as being the only ones on the battlefield. So you have to swing if you want the benefit, but you don't necessarily want your dudes dying willy nilly, mm. like super fast. So... I think Retribution of the Ancients is a great card and uh, certainly something to think about for the deck. For sure. Um, I'm quickly running out of cards, but um, one of the cards that came in the pre-con um, that I can't get enough of, uh, and I think it was one of my favorite legendary creatures of the year last year, uh, was Fane the Broker. Right. Um, and I feel like this, this card does what you want it to do in this deck. Like, it, right. it does the manipulation of the counters, and it makes tokens, and it makes treasures, and it, it really makes it so that you can, generally, with a little bit of manipulation and planning, end up doing the things you want to do if you're, like, behind, or if you're ahead. You can, you know... It... it it lets you be able to uh, at least get a little bit of value right, right before a board wipe or, yep. you know, uh, 
as it becomes your turn, it it really it's it's hard to not put it in this deck. Yeah, even though it was in the the precon. Right. I know we're getting close to the break, so I'm going to throw in one last one for under the under the removal stack of cards. Uh, Vishkal, uh, Blood ah. Arbiter. It's uh, for those who don't know, because Vishkal's been around a little while now. He's uh, it's four, one white, and black black. Uh, it's a flying lifelink vampire. It's a five five. It reads: Sack a creature, put X plus one plus one counters on Vishkal, Blood Arbiter, where X is the sacrificed creature's power. So for the most part, if your creature is on combat and it's going to die anyway, you can sack it and make Vishkal bigger. More importantly, though, is the second ability is remove all plus one plus one counters from Vishkal. Target creature gets minus one minus one until the end of the turn for each plus one plus one counter removed this way. So it's just a quick way to pile on, you know, to really hammer hammer an opponent's creature or... Uh, you know, if you want a massive flying lifelink creature, uh, yeah, Vishkal is very your worst. guy. In the very worst, he's a giant flying lifelinker, <laughs> and uh, it's really nice because even after you're like a lot of these creatures that is like, oh, remove blah 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 to do blah blah blah. Yeah, a lot of the times make your creature end up being a zero zero, and then it dies. Right. This, it's still going to be a five five. Right. Um. And on top of it, it gets around things like indestructible. So, right, uh, you don't need to sacrifice much to it to get you know five or six counters on it to you know fly in, gain eleven life, take the six counters off, put on or put the minus one minus one on you know a six six that's hard to get around. Right, and the you know when Vishkal attacks, if he attacks, let's say. Assume that he's attacking all by himself. Mm. He's a 5-5. Five, five. If he's attacking the right opponent, Brina kicks in, adds two counters to Vishkal immediately, and you draw For a free. card. So suddenly your 5-5 five, five Vishkal is now a 7-7. Seven, seven. You can do the seven points of damage and then remove the counters to give, to give another creature minus whatever. So, uh, you know... Oh, you know what? I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity and just get rid of your creature anyway. Um, and you still gain the seven life because you didn't remove the counters until after combat. But, you know, and if you're swinging with multiple creatures, well, if your creature dies, if another creature dies, then fine. Maybe it's done enough damage so that Vishkal can remove those counters they just picked up to finish off the creature. So, mm -hmm. uh, Vishkal's very flexible. I mean, the downside is seven mana. So, you know. Mm. Take it, take it for what it's worth. If your meta doesn't, you know, isn't going a lot, going to allow you to cast a seven mana creature that doesn't have haste, um, then you know, like I said, you take it for what it's worth. But I, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's a great card. It's funny because it's definitely the type of uh, creature <clears throat> that I would forget had taken five damage, and then I removed the say, oh yeah, like the two counters off of it to. To minus one minus one something, right. and realize ah crap now he's dead. <laughs> right. Um, um, but the no, one he's, he's a great dude. Right. And the one piece that's not flexible, it's remove all the counters. You don't get to mm. remove just enough to take out some creature or just enough to do something. It's all of them. So if you're thinking, ooh, this goes so great with the Ozolith, 
it really doesn't because it's going to burn all those plus and plus encounters to do yeah. the damage. So um, yeah, it's the great you know, thing with the Ozolith is that it it keeps the the counters in the system. But if you remove them, then uh, that's right. Good. Yeah, I mean, if Vishkal dies with the counters, then they go back onto the Ozolith. But yeah, Vishkal's rarely dying with the counters on. You've taken the counters off to do something. So, but yeah, you don't get um, to choose some. Yeah. Um, as you alluded to, we got to take a break. Uh, we're going to throw it over to our sponsors. And when we get back, we'll, uh, we've got how many cards left? Uh, 13 before we get to our lands. Um, and that'll be fun. Uh, and obviously if we go over, we can cut some out and that's part of the deck building process (laughs) as well. So be right back. All right. This episode of Temple of Hallspond is brought to you by Pestilence, because uh, I'm still recovering. uh... (laughs) Now back to you. Um, We're back, uh, trying to finish up this deck within time, uh, and I think we can do it. I mean, I like. I think we've got we've got fifty or forty nine cards right now. Uh, non-lands uh, so we've got 10-ish left to make uh, and really all we have to do is put in some some removal some card draw uh, and I mean like sure we have some removal already but we've, it, there are some generic things that we just kind of need to throw in uh, card draw lands obviously uh, and I mean you know, ramp if white were to have some. I had I had thought about putting in, like, bringing up some sort of, you know, graveyard recursion, recur, recursion, recursive theme going on. But, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, it just, like, it really, I don't know what would have fit. I mean, I think the difficulty, Luminous Broodmoth. Right, and I think a lot of the cards that we've included are cards that sort of keep everything from going to the graveyard. Right. Or or just immediately loop things back into play, um, and along that line, uh, Twilight Shepherd uh, for mm. three white white white. So it's not cheap, but uh, Twilight Shepherd. Uh, it's a five five with flying and vigilance. And when Twilight Shepherd enters the battlefield, return to your hand all cards in your graveyard that were put there from the battlefield this turn. So. When you read that far, you say to yourself, okay, so I'm supposed to hold this six-mana creature and then play it when all my creatures die. But it doesn't have flash, so I can't do it on an opponent's turn. How is this going to work? Well, it works because Twilight Shepherd has Persist. Um, It also works because it it convinces you, or it it incentivizes you to just attack out. Right, so if you lose your creatures, it's not a big deal. You can lose your creatures right. in combat and then play Twilight Shepherd following up. All your creatures are back. Um, the nice part is that once the Shepherd's out, it really discourages your opponents from using mass removal because all of your stuff is going to the graveyard, including the Shepherd, but the Shepherd has Persist. So then it comes back out because it certainly doesn't have a minus one, minus one counter on it when it died. So it comes back out, and it gets a minus one, minus one counter. 
but it brings all of its buddy, all of their buddies with it. Great. Back to your hand, though. Well, fine, but it's but you're getting them all back out of the graveyard, right? You're you're keeping that value somewhat intact, right? So then the next time Brina comes out, you give uh, the Twilight Shepherd two plus one plus one counters. One of them nullifies the minus one, so the Twilight Shepherd ends up being a six six with a single plus one plus one counter on it. And it's there to protect all of your creatures as you play them back out onto the battlefield. Um, so I think it, uh, you know, it certainly, like I said, it discourages your opponents from doing the mass removal because essentially they're going to get rid of your creatures for a turn. So yeah. they and and if your creatures are playing a lot of a lot of enter the battlefield have a lot of enter the battlefield triggers, your opponents know that you're going to get those triggers again. So they may want to think twice about, you know, giving you the opportunity to play another or to get another another chance at an enter the battlefield trigger for whichever creature is you're, you're going to play next. Yeah, um, for me, this deck ends up almost lacking in this this basic uh, categories like card draw. Yeah. Uh, ramping, uh, and I, I think one of the best cards that we've seen in the past couple of years is in white uh, with Master of Ceremonies. because And I think like this card is... like It's overlooked. I haven't heard enough about it. Um, but f- from those who have heard fr- about it, like it it does the thing. Like it, It's such a good commander card because it it, it plays with the table. Um, it, it gets everybody in on the fun. And you... And like it, it does the group hug thing, but very transparently. Uh, you know, uh, it, for those who don't know, it's a f- three and a white for a three, four rhino druid at the beginning of your upkeep. Each opponent chooses money, friends, or secrets for each m- player who chooses money. You and that player each create a treasure, uh, for each player who chooses friends, create a one, one green and white citizen for each player who chooses secrets. You and that player each draw a card. So you're going to get three cards, three citizens, or three treasures, or some combination of yeah. the three. If you have three opponents still. Uh, and I think that like it, this deck does the politics so wonderfully, but it also you know, backs it up with these hard hitters where these aren't May abilities. Like, it's not like they can all just opt out like with uh, Tempting Contract. Right, like, your your opponent this, has to pick whichever one either they want the most or they think you want the least. Right, because you're um, getting so in it. the very worst you're going to get a one one citizen. <laughs> in this uh, deck, yeah, that would be the worst one. But um, yeah, I mean, how many times does your opponent want the one one citizen though? From yeah. from my experience, your opponents are greedy, and yeah, invariably somebody is going to agree to secrets and you're both going to draw a card and everybody else at the table is going to be like if i don't pick secrets i'm just getting behind on the number of cards or if i don't pick uh treasure you know or money then i'm not gonna i'm I'm gonna be behind on mana so people will pick generally speaking they pick whatever they need the most and if it benefits you well then they just have to live with that yeah so because, I mean, it, it, it's it's tough because, like, they're going to want to sit there and think about it for a bit. But you, you really got to keep the game going. And uh, 
putting any pressure on them to make a choice, they're going to end up choosing the draw. So, I mean, you and I have talked about this before, probably off the podcast, but with this card, it's so it's so easy to just slip into that, like, auctioneer kind of like, hey, like, let's make a deal type, uh, you know, almost game show-esque. The first time uh, I saw this card played, it was Kathleen on Loading Ready Run playing mm. the card, and that's exactly what she ended up doing. I have presents for everyone! You know, what, yeah. what present would you like? And and she was just happy to take whatever. Of course she were, because you're getting all. Uh, it was yeah. just, it would, and that's really the way you want to play it. Make it happy, yeah, make then it exciting. It, it, Don't give them time to be thinking, oh my gosh, I'm, Bruce is getting all of the things. <laughs> Don't, yeah, Don't be keep. worried about that part. Focus on on the fact that I'm I am providing gifts. I am giving you a gift. What gift would you like? I'm even going to let you choose. You know, it's just that's so sweet. If you can get your if you can get your opponent to not pay attention to the fact that you are also benefiting from each choice, uh, then it's going to be a great time. I mean, otherwise they get rid of a three four, right? Um, and they're the the ire of the table because you know. They got rid of all the fun. Right. Now you they, were talking they canceled the party. Exactly. Now, you were also talking about card draw and ramp. And how the deck's a little bit lacking. So I'm gonna suggest Smuggler Share. Uh, it's Ooh. an enchantment. It costs two and a white. It's fairly recent. And I say that because it's happened in the last, say, two years. At the beginning Yeah, I think it's from the same set as uh as Master, Master Ceremonies. Ceremonies, I believe so. So at the beginning of each end step, draw a card for each opponent who drew two or more cards this turn, then create a treasure token for each opponent who had two or more lands enter the battlefield under their control this turn. Obviously, this is a card you really want to play early. If you're hoping to get any extra lands onto the battlefield, you really want to play it early because the longer you wait, the more likely it is they're never going to give you that second, they're never going to give you that opportunity. Even if they have a way to, to ramp their land, to play out another land, they're going to wait until it's a turn when they don't have one. So then they'll just do that and only play one, and you won't get the benefit. But as far as the draw a card part, part Brina is giving them that extra card draw. So, uh, and it's got to be on their turn because it's when they're attacking. So they'll have made their draw at the start of the turn, and then Brina gives them their second card. And as soon as that happens, you get to draw a card on their end step. So... It's, yeah. uh, I love this card. Uh, as far as I can see, the only real downside is, once again, your opponents start to look at this and say, I get to draw a card, that's good, but now Bruce gets to draw a card as well, on top of these plus one, plus one counters that he already got. At what point does this stop being a good deal and start being, <laughs> uh, that's, that smuggler share has to go, or Bruce has to go. Um, mm. Because you certainly don't want to get to the point where uh, player removal is the best option. Yeah, it, it's definitely a tough uh, line to balance because, I mean, I think that, you know, that's kind of where this precon lost some points was like because it ends up, you know, trying to get the value out of your opponents getting value. Right. And they see right through that, you know? Yeah. And if they don't see right through it, they're they're 
going to be a little bit cautious about taking any offers or any help. Um, but I mean, well, you know, it, that's that's the nature of this type of deck, right? I, this deck requires the song and dance. You are constantly on the chatter in this game. You want to make sure that your opponents aren't... They're not focusing on the plus ones that you're getting. They're focusing on the card they're getting. Because if that's the trade-off, a card for a couple plus one plus one counters, the card wins every time. They'll always yeah. take the card. It's when you start cutting into that trade, you know, and how far can you cut in, you know, when your Underworld Dreams is sitting out there. Is that enough for some opponents to think that it's a bad trade or not? If Smuggler Share is out there, when they draw their second card, I get to draw a card. Well, wait, hang on. So you're saying you're going to give me a card, but you're going to get a card and a plus one plus, and two plus and plus one counters. Maybe that's over the top for them. <clears throat> it's going to depend on your opponent and depend on how much how much you can convince them to go that route. I mean, mm. this is one of those decks where I think you kind of want to be everybody's buddy. Oh, for sure. You know? Dude, I'm helping you out. We got to take this guy down. And I'm giving you plus. I'm giving you cards to make this happen. So let's go. Let's do it. Let's take the other guy down. And it's 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 interesting too because like it it then will lead to like if you don't play it right, people will end up trying to constantly remove pieces of your board, if not the whole board at once. Right. Um, and the thing you have to kind of keep in your back pocket is is some sort of protection. Um, so Andy, you want to talk about the lands a little bit? Sure. Um, you know, so far we've got Pajugabog and Temple of the False God. Uh, we talked about those last time. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty straightforward. I mean, at this point I would probably just add in 19 and no, yeah, 19 and 19, uh, as a base just to see, uh, how it fills out. Um, but at this point, we definitely have uh, more white than black, probably by like 60, 40 percent uh, black right. and white. Um, and, you know, the deck's not finished. Uh, we've got, you know, 11 more slots for cards. Um, so it's it's tough to, to balance out the, the basics as of now. Um, but, I mean, what, what do we... Are there any non-basics? Um, the ones that I'm thinking of off the top of my head, um, Rogue's Passage and Reliquary Tower. We want to swing so that Bruna's ability can work for us, so that we can also draw cards. I think a Rogue's Passage is is a nice a nice addition. Yeah, I know. It doesn't really come into play until much later because you have to tap four and the Passage, but it's there. I mean, we are running a two-color deck, so we can afford to have a few of those in there. And Reliquary Tower, if we're actually drawing as many cards as I'm hoping, um, mm. then uh, being able to carry hold more than seven in your hand is probably a good idea. For utility, I think, too, uh, Bonders Enclave could work. It taps for uh, colorless or for three and tap. You can draw a card, uh, but you can only activate this ability if you control a creature with power four or greater. I, the idea is there. Like, the, generally, you're going to have that. I mean, even if Brina is uh, the only th only creature on the board uh, on your side, realistically, you can get at least three plus ones on it uh, in one round. So it shouldn't be yeah. too hard to get Bonders Enclave to, to work. 
Right. Another one I always like to put in is Temple of is the Temple for the whatever color pair you're running. So in this case, Temple of Silence comes in play tapped and it lets you scry one. It's not super amazing or anything. It doesn't particularly fit theme, but any opportunity I have to add a, a scry one and the full cost of this is this card comes into play tapped, I will take that. Um, and I'd also encourage you to run Vault of Champions. That's oh, the, yes. uh, it enters the battlefield tapped unless you have two or more opponents. So this is card. This is a land that taps for either and it doesn't come into play tapped and that's just amazing. Um, not to be underestimated, so. And then, um, yeah, and along the same lines, I think I would put in Exotic Orchard. You know, yeah. there are gonna there might be times you want to uh, make mana that isn't black or white. You know, with things like uh, right. uh, the Sun Crusher. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see what else we got for lands. Um, Godless Shrine, of course. If yeah. We're gonna do any, you know any halfway mm -hmm. decent. Uh, so yeah, and then you can start look. You know, as far as that, you can choose your mana base based on how much money you're you're willing to spend and what cards you have. So, if you've got you know cards that allow you to sack to search for a, a plains or a swamp, then yeah, you really want to load up with Godless Shrine and some of the other duels that have the basic land types on them. So, mm. um, just something to keep in mind. I know that for me, when I go through, I quite often just go th roll through the cards that uh, or the lands that I have. And just include one of each of those, uh, just to, For sure. to sort of fill it out. <clears throat> as long as I'm not loading it up with too many come into play tap lands. Yeah, um, a card that I think uh, sometimes gets overlooked because people want to play many colors is War Room. I think two color commanders is probably the maximum you want to play with this card. Uh, for three and tap, pay life equal to the number of colors in the commander com commander's color identity, which is two. So three tap, pay two life, draw a card. Uh, similar to Bonder's Enclave, uh, but less restrictive. Mm -hmm. um, and you get a card of it. It's great. Yeah. I'd love to recommend the castles, Castle Ardenvale and Castle Lockthwain. Um, Castle Ardenvale for four and tap, you can create a 1-1 one, one soldier. But for five mana, you better be having better things to do with your mana. Uh, yeah. And then Castle Lockthwain, I think it's black, black, one, and tap. Uh, draw a card and then lose life equal to the number of cards in your hand. Uh, so if you're drawing a lot of cards, this is not this is not cutting it for you. You do not want this, uh, even if you are kind of stuck in a, a, a stall. Right. Um, card that I found that people generally like, at least in our meta, uh, is Gyre Reach Sanitarium because it, it starts to really right. people think about their cards. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it does so well in terms of both being political so that, like, you know, if somebody doesn't want to discard a card or, right. you know, somebody doesn't want to draw a card, then, uh, <clears throat> you know, it does that. But I think what's great too is that you've got a few, we've got a few cards in here that do, oh, like, whenever opponent draws a second card for their turn uh they, they you do x right uh and obviously if they see this effect on the table they might be disincentivized to non-attack and trigger brina but with the guy reach sanitarium you can just force them to draw that second card anyway right um, which which i i dig yeah and i mean as long as you're leaving looking down that line then there's 
you can start looking at all of the cards that you know where everybody draws a card. Mm. You know, your Temple Bell, your Howling Mine. Temple Bell is probably better because you can activate it on any person's turn. So you can activate it on the last opponent's turn to draw the card before you, the start of your turn. Or if you need someone to be drawing their second card and they're refusing to, uh, you know, use Brina's, uh, Brina's gifts, then, you know, you can just force feed that gift right down their throat. What I like is uh, this, like, very, very infrequently do I find a deck that Karn's Bastion definitely needs to be in. Uh, but this is definitely one of those decks. Oh, yes. Uh, for four and tap, you get to proliferate, which is excellent if you've got, you know. Yep. It, it also incentivizes you as the Brina player to uh, put plus ones on other creatures. Yes, yeah, Not just, like, load them up all on one, you know? Yeah. So, I think there are so many different ways you can go. Uh, I mean, there are, like, so many lands that you could uh, uh yeah an opal palace is another one mm. but i think that uh you also want to leave room and i i always try to back off putting too many uh, yeah oh i always go down that route i always end up putting too many in and then realizing i have to pull back and i think where we are now we have got 19 non land or non basics uh, I think it would be pretty easy to just put in 21 basics uh, pretty well. Um, probably leaning on, on white. Um, I'd say probably like 12-9 if we were to do it right now. I mean, like, I'm just going to put it in now. Um, and If we find any other land along this way, we can add it. And I think that, you know, there's a few... We've got enough... We've got enough space to put 11 more cards in and i think that we're i mean we're we're running up on time but i think that like uh you know your basic removal your basic uh kind of ramp things uh, right that may not fit thematically but uh you know if you've got cards lying around that you want to use in a deck you can always do that I mean, right i mean uh, we are talking about orzov here so you've got you know utter end unmake uh Rite of Oblivion, Profane Procession, D-Spark, Anguished Unmaking. These are all, uh, you know, Orzov-colored cards. Yeah. That, and generally, if it's Orzov-colored, it's uh, you're, you're targeting permanence. It's not just creatures or just artifacts. It says permanent. And a lot of times it's exiling. So you're getting around a lot of ways for people to return those cards back into the back to the battlefield by not sending them to the graveyards. So take your pick, go with what you've got, and yeah. So yeah. we'll have a list up uh, in the the show notes um, for those who want to check this out. If you want to build it, if you want to, you know, toy with it and uh, change things up, feel free to send us a list. Uh, we'd love to know your adventures with this deck. Uh, if you've ever built Brina before, let us know what you think about this dandy card. Um, yeah, and do remember, hmm? we're, we were trying not to use a lot of the cards that came in the pre-constructed deck. Uh, I mean, that yeah. was kind of the point. I mean, we talked about Fane the Broker, and we talked about a couple. I think there were a couple others as well. But um, the goal was to not rebuild the pre-con, was to come up with, you know, something a little different that wasn't, uh, you know, too outrageous as far as cost. So, um I think we've uh, I think we've done that rather successfully here, for sure. Ever since this deck was previewed, 
I have been excited about this card, and I played it in the pre-con, and it was fine. I feel like there were a few too many times that I didn't end up doing anything, but I feel like building around this card uh, with your own collection might be, I mean, honestly, a better idea. Uh, so I, I, I'm excited to see what we get out of the, the, the next couple games with this deck. Um, and, yeah. So. Well, I mean, the fact that we went two episodes... And we started when just talking. We could have gone a full two episodes just talking about cards that do stuff with plus one plus one counters. Yeah. Uh, the you know the the ninety or the the one hundred cards that we've got listed here. This is not the be all end all deck. Obviously, we haven't tested any of it, but there are plenty of other options. And if you have something uh, you know sitting in your collection that uses a plus one plus one counter that we haven't mentioned here, I mean, it's not like we're saying no, you shouldn't use that. It just this is what came up. Uh, I mean, I don't know about Andy, but a lot of these cards are cards that I just happened to see in my own collection. So I didn't come up with Retribution of the Ancients just off the top of my head. It just it was a card that was actually just sitting there in my collection, and that I noticed it there. So, you know, so feel free to do the same with your same with yours. I think Brina offers a lot of options. For sure. Um, and I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um, yep. Next week, we'll be back with uh, a super cool episode, as always, because that's what we do. Uh, we're Temple of False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, clearly. But uh, our play sure is sucker fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and may your fifth land be the Temple. Wait, wait, before you go, I uh, just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com or on Twitter at falsepodmtg. Bruce is at manaburned and I'm at andyweekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out. It gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, Like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye!